Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom and welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program. I'm really excited about what we're about to start. We're going to do a new six-week series on what we call the Dirty Dozen, 12 Jewish Objections to Our Belief in Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah. We're going to explain what they are and how we can speak to them and maybe even by God's grace and the power of the Spirit overcome these objections and plant some good seeds for the kingdom. So joining me today is my good friend and colleague, Bobby Walter. Welcome, Bobby, and God bless. And here we go on these objections. I know we've been looking forward to doing this for a long time. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And uh, shalom to you, Mitch, and shalom to all of our listeners. We're, uh, as always, so grateful that you're joining us today. So let, let's just jump in here to these objections, because you and I in our ministry, we hear these quite often, right? We do. And the first one that we're going to look at is when a Jewish person will say, I can't believe in Jesus because I'm Jewish. Now, Mitch, you are Jewish and you believe in Jesus. I am. So, how does that work? How, how did you uh, get past this particular objection? Oh, it was easy, Bobby. No, I'm just kidding. It was. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the work of the Spirit. But there are answers to some of these objections that if we really pray and ask the Holy Spirit to empower our words and to work in a person's heart, sometimes these objections can really be countered positively. And again, it's always the spirit with which you counter objections that matters almost as much as the information you provide. Mm. And so, if you have a loving and sensitive and friendly, ironic approach to your Jewish friend, and you know, you never win an argument. And besides, we're not looking to win an argument, we're, we're looking for victory. <laughs> <laughs> oh, complete victory in a person's heart. And so, remember, it's not just what we say, but it's how we say it. So, I remember I was at UCLA as a younger missionary to the Jewish people, and there was a big concert on the uh, open fields near UCLA, and uh, we had a Messianic singing group out there, and they were doing a great job, when all of a sudden, a group called the Jewish Defense League came walking along with a group of people two buses of yeshiva students, <laughs> but the guy with the megaphone started shouting various things, but I'll never forget one thing he said. He said, a Jew believing in Jesus is like eating a ham and cheese sandwich at a bar mitzvah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, maybe you have to be Jewish to get it, but it's just such an anomaly. And in his mind, the idea of Jews believing in Jesus was so uh, incredible and incongruous. He, he couldn't imagine how a Jew could believe in Jesus. Now, let me tell you another story. This one's not funny. My grandmother was really upset with my faith in Jesus, and she put it in the only terms she knew how to put it. And honestly, it was half in Yiddish, and, uh, which is the language my grandmother spoke, which was a European Jewish language, and um, half in English. And she said, you believe in Jesus? I said, I do. She said to me, we left Russia because of Jesus. Hmm. And, you know, you have to explain that statement to understand why a Jewish person 
says you can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus because Jesus doesn't stand on his own two glorious feet. He, uh, Jesus is attached to the institution of Christianity and the institution of Christianity persecuted Jews. Now, I'm not accusing any Christian today of persecuting Jewish people, but that was the case back in the days when my grandmother left Russia. There were pogroms immediately before she left Russia. And if you keep going back, there was, of course, crusades, and there was a lot of medieval persecution of Jewish people in Catholic and Orthodox Europe, and where there was a lot of nominalism. And that's the way I was raised. And so when I first heard about Jesus, I reacted very strongly. And I said this very objection to my friends. You can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus. But the truth is, you can particularly when you understand that Jesus was Jewish, the writers of the New Testament were Jewish, that the only Bible available at the time Jesus lived was the Hebrew Scriptures, which he quoted from over and over again, as did all of the apostles. It is a one continuous story from the old to the new. It is not one than the other. It's a fulfillment. It's a completion. And so when I finally realized that you could be Jewish and believe in Jesus. I didn't feel like I was a quote-unquote convert. I didn't feel like I had turned my back on my Jewish people. As an individual, I felt that my life and my own identity as a Jewish person was fulfilled. It was completed. It was something that I never experienced before because I now knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He came. He died for my sins. He rose from the dead. He's coming again. And Everything he did and everything he said was all in light of his own Jewishness. And so Jesus, Yeshua, we call him, his Hebrew name, fulfilled all the promises of the Messiah in the Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh. And he will fulfill the rest of them in his second coming. And so all I can say, Bobby, is my own personal experience. I realize that there's a big difference between Jesus and the institution of Christianity, and that we are not called to a religion. We are called to a person. It's a person who saves us. It's a person who loves us. It's a person who died for us. And so I think that that's a really important distinction. And when you're sharing the good news with a Jewish person, emphasize the personal relationship with Jesus, Yeshua, not any type of institutional or church-related matters, uh, because then the Jewish person feels, wow, that's, that's a big chasm. That's a big gulf to cross because if I wanted a religion, I would probably stick with what I have and become better at it. Mm -hmm. But if it's Jesus, the person who fulfills the Hebrew Scriptures and is the Messiah, well, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. And now, Mitch, that's actually a really good jumping point for us to come to the next objection which, uh, again, focuses on the person, the identity of Jesus. And I know that you've heard this objection. I've heard it many times, and this is a big one. And this is where a Jewish person will say, I cannot believe in Jesus because man cannot become or be God. So, how do we deal with that particular objection, the deity of Jesus? Well, I'll give you my suggestion, and you can elaborate on it. Uh, now, we just dealt with what I would call a cultural, historical, sociological objection. That's, mm -hmm. you can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus. And of course, you can continue to live somewhat of a, a Jewish life. In fact, it's not the Jewish believers that usually walk away from Jewishness. 
it, and probably their Jewishness increases. Mm -hmm. But it's the Jewish community that, because of this misunderstanding, uh, doesn't make it easy for us to maintain our relationship with the Jewish community, though most Jewish believers really want to do that and maybe even increase it. But this is a more theological objection. And Jewish people are raised saying uh, the Shema, Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And we are taught that idolatry and believing in, quote-unquote, a man who could become a god, or actually more, more like it, God becoming a man, uh, if we believe that, then it's some form of idolatry. My only answer to that, the only one that I've seen really work, is to demonstrate to a Jewish person that God becoming a man, the incarnation, is God's idea. It's found in the Hebrew scriptures and the mm -hmm. Tanakh. Maybe you can share some of the passages where that that's found, Bobby, and that might yeah. help. Yeah, yeah. So there are many of them. Uh, there are many of them. And, and actually, a really good book that, you know, might want to recommend. This is not from, this book is not from a Christian. It's from a Jewish scholar. His name is Benjamin Summer, and he's got a book. It's very academic. It's called Bodies of God. And he goes to great lengths to show how Jewish the idea is that God could take on the form of a man. And when we look in these passages in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh, we see passages like Genesis 18, when the Lord appeared to Abraham with two other guests as well, who later on we find out were angels. But the Lord is there with Abraham, eating his food and, and drinking uh, you know, the milk with him. Later on in Genesis 32, where Jacob wrestles this angelic figure, or is it God in man form? And Jacob turns around and names that place Peniel, which means the face of God. And his rationale is because I have seen God's face and lived. Uh, later on in Judges chapter 13, Samson's parents, they have this encounter uh, with apparently God in the flesh. Uh, but one that's really, I think, uh, very strong and powerful is in Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 through 14, where Daniel the prophet gets this uh, vision of the throne room of God, and what he sees really blows his mind, uh, because he sees thrones, okay, plural, more than one, set up, and seated on one is the Ancient of Days, which it's a name for God, a title for God, we can understand it as God the Father. And all of a sudden in this vision, this son of man, this human being figure comes riding on the clouds of heaven and is presented before the Ancient of Days. And then the Ancient of Days gives glory, dominion, and an eternal kingdom to the Son of Man. And then people from every tribe, nation, and tongue come and begin to serve or worship the Son of Man. So this is what Daniel is seeing. He is seeing God the Father and God the Son in action. And the way that God the Son looks like, who's receiving worship, who's receiving glory, who is the eternal king on the eternal throne, uh, he is a man. He's a son of man. And, you know, this ultimately is embodied and fulfilled in Yeshua, in Jesus. And really the penultimate passage that is quoted by Matthew is Isaiah 7.14, that a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. And there's no doubt in my mind that the Hebrew Scriptures is the fountain of spiritual truth for every Jewish person, and it's in these Scriptures that the prophets, and even Moses himself, predicts that God would become a man to save his people from their sins. Thanks, Bobby, for this, and I hope that this is helpful to you who are listening. There's a lot more information available on the Chosen People website at chosenpeople.com. You can learn a whole lot more 
about messianic prophecy and even how to clearly demonstrate that this prediction of the incarnation is something that the Old Testament teaches quite clearly. At Chosen People Ministries, our desire is to share the good news of Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, with Jewish people in ways that are challenging, creative, and compelling. We can only accomplish this mission with the partnership, prayers, and financial support of listeners like you, who have the desire and passion to reach out to Jewish people all over the country and enrich their lives with a message of hope and salvation. If that's you, please connect with us online. You'll find us at chosenpeople.com radio, or you can connect with us through the mail or over the phone. For those details and more, visit chosenpeople.com radio. Your partnership helps us continue the mission we started over 127 years ago. And for that, we say thank you. And we look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now we're going to hear from Dan Stroll, a man who discovered that he knew less than he thought about God and the Jewish Messiah. Dan's a wonderful brother, served the Messianic congregation in Chicago for many years. And I know that you're going to enjoy this wonderful testimony. I grew up in a loving Jewish family. My mom and dad were very actively involved in the local synagogue, and we were there pretty much every Friday or Saturday. We celebrated the holidays at Shul. We celebrated Passover at home. And my Jewish identity meant a lot to me growing up. I decided to go to college where I majored in fashion photography. And then after I worked in the photo industry for a couple of years, I decided to fulfill my lifelong passion of learning how to ski. I drove myself to Aspen, Colorado, where I knew no one, got a season pass and started skiing. Aspen was heaven on earth, and that's where I wanted to live the rest of my life. And so it was there during my second ski season that I met a young woman from Kansas City, Missouri perhaps the most curious person I've ever met in my life. In fact, she has a journalism degree from the University of Missouri. She began talking to me about her faith in God. And she told me that she was a Christian. And I said, oh, that's nice, I'm Jewish. She kept asking me questions. Do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. And she said, well, what's he like? Is he righteous and is he holy? What? what do you mean, what's he like? And I said, you know, he's other, you know, and we're here, we're down here, he's infinite, we're finite. She kept asking me questions and about God and about what I believed about God and, and why I believed it. And the more questions that she asked me, the more upset I would become with her. I would get angry with her, I'd get angry with her. How can you expect me to believe in a God whose name my people have been killed for 2,000 years? She appeared to me as being narrow-mindedly dogmatic. But it was over time, as she asked me questions about what I believed and why I believed it, it began to occur to me that maybe I was the one who was narrow-minded and dogmatic. I knew Jews don't believe in Jesus. I knew 
you can't be Jewish and believe in Jesus. But the more she pressed me to explain why those things were true, the more I realized I didn't know other than because. After she left, I decided, well, I'm going to start reading the Bible for myself to see what it says. And so, of course, I wouldn't go anywhere near the New Testament because I knew for a fact that the New Testament was Goyesha Bubamysis. It was Gentile grandmother stories. And everybody knew it was anti-Semitic, and so I would have nothing to do with that. What I discovered was that the God of this woman was my God, was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That really touched me. It really, it really challenged me inside because it, it made me realize that I didn't know my own God, or at least I didn't know much about him. As I read more of the Bible, I began thinking more about my relationship with God. And I got to a point where I actually started to pray personally, you know, like talk to God. God, if Jesus is the Messiah and you want me to put my faith in him, then I'm willing to do that, but only if it's true, because if it's not true, the last thing I want to do now is to worship a man and be an idol worshiper. I began to really think about what it meant for me to become a believer in Jesus. You know, what would my parents think? And what would my brothers think? What would my aunts and my uncles and my cousins, what would 90% of my friends, at least my friends from New York think? It was like I was thinking about this and it was as if I heard a voice in my head say to me, Danny, that's right. The choice is between following me and everyone and everything else. If God is God, he's boss. You do what he says and if there's a cost involved, it's worth it. This woman came back at the end of the summer and she brought with her, when she came back, she brought with her a book that a friend of hers, her best friend had given to her. And the title of the book, you ready for this? The title of the book was, What's a Nice Jewish Boy Like You Doing in the First Baptist Church? All of the questions I kind of had floating around in my head that I wasn't willing to ask directly were addressed in the book. Jesus was Jewish and the apostles were Jewish and all of the New Covenant, the New Testament books were written by Jews. To this point, I had never still opened the New Testament scriptures. But reading this book, I began to read them for myself for the first time. I grew up in a neighborhood that was mixed Jewish, mostly Jewish, and a lot of Catholic kids. And so for me, Jesus and the New, New Testament was associated with those kids and the hatred that I got from them. And I was shocked to discover the exact opposite. I discovered a, a Jewish man addressing Jewish topics in a Jewish way, who taught love 
for your enemies. Love for all people, not the kind of hatred that I saw. And this Jesus who was the God of the Gentiles who hated the Jews began to evaporate because he didn't exist. I finished the book and she says to me, so what did you think of the book? I thought for a minute and I said, it was good, I liked it. I, I think it's gonna help me explain some things to my parents. And she, she, she was completely taken off guard. And she said, you mean you believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah of Israel? And I said, yeah. She says, now you believe that he died on a Roman cross as a payment for your sin? And I said, yeah. And she said, and you believe that by trusting in him and what he did for you on that cross, your sins are forgiven and you have new life with God? And I said, yeah. You may be wondering about the identity of this very curious shiksa from Kansas City, this journalist who had such a profound impact on my life. And yes, what you are guessing is true. I chased her for another year and a half until she caught me. And we have been happily married for almost 39 years. After I had come to faith in Jesus, uh, it took me a few months to build the nerve to tell my parents about it because I knew it would be hard for them. My mother's response was just classic. Don't talk to me about Jesus. Don't tell me about him. I will never believe in Jesus. I was born a Jew. I will die a Jew. I don't care if it's true. I will never believe in Jesus. You gotta love God's tenacity with his people. Even as he sent someone into my life to tell me about Messiah, it was people who knew Messiah who helped my mother come to faith at the age of 86 years of age. And I had the most awesome, awesome privilege of leading my mom to faith in Messiah. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. And if you'd like to learn more about this ministry and our priority to reach the Jewish people with the good news, we would love to hear from you. Just visit us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Chosen People Ministries has been reaching the Jewish people with the gospel and teaching in churches all over the country for over 128 years. And we'd love for you to take a look at the amazing presentations we have for you and your local church. So please get in touch with us today, whether you're a pastor or part of a church, you can recommend to your pastor that you want to have someone from Chosen People Ministries join one of your services. Now, when you do get in touch with us, we'll send you a free gift just for saying hello or shalom if you want. It's a book called To the Jew First in the 21st Century, and the number to dial is 888-2-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A. That number again is 888-293-7482. You can also request a copy of Al Mohler's book, To the Jew First, when you visit us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. 
And now let's close today's message with the ironic benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.